Welcome to the UFC Ultimate Faithful Catholics. My name is Jesse Romero. My partner is, are you there, Terry? Are you 10-8? Okay. Terry and Jesse show stands for truth and justice, totally Jesus, or it can stand for Terry and Jesse as well. We are two high-energy, blue-collar Catholic radio talk show hosts. Amen. We're here to teach you guys to love God, save souls, and slay air. I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you, my friend? I'm reporting for duty a little under the weather, Jess, but I'm calling from home. But God love you, brother. And, you know, Jesse, I told you before the show this topic is so important today. And I'm reporting for duty because the church is needing people like us, the hoi polloi guys, you know, not enough management people. The B team, the B team. The Lord. The B team is ready for action. Because we're going to be talking about so many topics today. Why don't you share with our listeners some of those topics, Jess? Yeah, obviously we're going to give you some soul food like we always do. But yeah. some of the topics that we're going to be sharing with today, we're going to be. Uh, there's a good clip from Raymond Arroyo uh, mm-hmm. on Fox News. He's also the EWTN anchor, and he talks yeah. about all the attacks upon the Catholic churches after Roe versus Wade. So that's going to be something that we're going to profile as well. We're going to be talking about. Uh, the way the Catholic Church seems to be the only church being uh, attacked after the Roe versus Wade decision, yep. Terry. You think that is that a right. coincidence? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why, because it's no the one true church. We're also going to be taking a look at the LGBT agenda seems to be full steam ahead, thanks to Pope Francis' remarks on homosexuality. And the last thing that we're going to talk about is something that all of us have had, we've had experiences with, and that is... What should be said and what not, should not be said at a Catholic funeral? So uh, those are the topics for today, Terry. Yeah, betcha. And Jesse, I say this with all sincerity. I have about a couple hundred funerals every year I do here at the chapel. And boy, it's very rare. I hate to say, I wish I could tell you it was different. It's very rare that a funeral is done with the idea of praying for the soul that who passed away, unfortunately. So we'll get into that much, much more. What about the good to know file, Jess? What's going on with that? Yeah, Terry, there's a couple things uh, that I think are worth sharing today to our audience. First of all, again, it's the last month. Of, well, is it, is, it, is it the last month of January? Let me see. Yeah, yes, yeah, it. I know, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, the 31st. Uh, it's a, uh, the month of the holy name of Jesus. Again, make any excuse to project the name of Jesus into the cosmos with faith, hope, and love throughout the day. Again, saying the name of Jesus in vain is a violation of the second commandment. And uh, Our Lady of uh, La Salette spoke strongly about that, that that's something that offends our Lord. And she's holding the, the holding back the hand of God from, the, from punishment. A couple other things I want to mention. There's a Georgia police officer, some young guy. My heart goes out to him. Uh, he resigns after being put on leave for defending traditional marriage online. In other words, on his own time, he posts that he uh, supports traditional marriage. And his police department, uh, essentially, they put him on leave. So he says, no, nah, well, you can't put me on leave. I quit. Uh, he's a, he doesn't want to work for a woke chief of police. Good for him. Also, German bishop dismisses Vatican concerns. Bishop George Batzig of Limburg, the president of the German Bishops' Conference, he said on Monday that he welcomed the new letter from the Vatican detailing concerns about the push for a permanent synodal council that would govern the church in Germany. At the same time, Batzig dismissed the Vatican's concerns as unfounded. So, Terry, 
we seem to be having a power struggle between uh, Pope Francis and uh, the, the German bishops. They seem to be at loggerheads. Also, Google faces a government lawsuit. The Justice Department in several states sued Google on Tuesday, accusing the big tech company of unlawfully monopolizing the ways ads, the way ads are served online by excluding competitors. So the government alleges that Google Google's plan to assert dominance has been to neutralize or eliminate rivals through acquisitions and to force advertisers to use its products by making it difficult to use competitors' products. In other words, Terry, they're censoring conservatives. And finally, Francis criticizes the synodal way. In an interview published Wednesday, Pope Francis decried the German synodal way as elitist, unhelpful, and running the risk of bringing ideological harm to the church processes. The pontiff said the German experience does not help. And when he was asked about the controversial synodal process, uh, he, the Pope Francis said that dialogue should involve all the people of God. Well, that's a true statement, but Terry, the synodal, synodal process should not involve non-believers or non-practicing Catholics. They shouldn't be involved in this in this uh, conversation. Yeah, exactly, Jesse. And let's be honest, he's speaking on both sides of his mouth, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. So he constantly uh, does that. Bishop Barron, yeah, even mentioned that. Uh, more bishops are coming out and saying this is an out of the way. We don't even know what this means. It's ambiguous. Come on, what happened to evangelization about teaching people about Jesus Christ? So I think more and more people are not going to stay quiet about this because it's it's becoming very disturbing for just even the bishops, but for us lay people, we're going, come on, it can't you can't have both. So I agree with that, Jess. Terry, you know what's good is that Bishop uh, is that Bishop Barron spoke out against this. I'll tell you why. Because he does carry a lot of weight in the Catholic Church, he's the, I think he's the most watched bishop on on uh, social media by far. He's uh, he has a powerful social media presence, and, and again, he's uh, considered uh, one of the intellectuals of uh, the Catholic Church. Yep. And so the the yep. fact that he spoke out against the the synodal way, that's a good thing because somebody like him obviously is is uh, seeing that this is going in the wrong direction. Good for him. Yep. Yeah, I think more and more are going to do that because it will be a schism in the church, Jess. I'll just be honest. These guys do not have the same faith that the Catholic Church teaches, and they're <clears throat> disguising themselves as Catholic bishops. I'll just be that blunt. All yep. right, brother, anything else before we get some soul food? Now I'm ready for some soul food. Mark chapter That's 5, it. verse 1 to 20. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Jesus and his disciples yep. came to the other side of the sea to the territory of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, at once a man from the tombs who had an unclean spirit, that's a demon, met him. The man, who had, the man had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any longer, even with mm -hmm. a chain. So we see preternatural strength here in a possessed person. Exactly. It says, in fact, he had frequently been bound with shackles and chains, but the chains had been pulled apart by him, the shackles smashed. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Once again, that's called preternatural strength when a person is yep. possessed. The gospel goes, says, night and day among the tombs and on the hillside, he was always crying and bruising himself with stones. In other words, demons try to push people to hurt themselves when they're under possession and to commit suicide. It says, catching sight of Jesus from a distance, he ran up and prostrated himself before him 
crying out in a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High, the Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He had, he had been saying to him, unclean spirit, come out of the man. He asked him, what is your name? He replied, Legion is my name. There are many of us. And he pleaded earnestly with him not to drive them away from that territory. So notice two things here. The demons recognize Jesus' authority right away. And they say, do not torment me. They're begging because they know that Christ has total authority over them. So they're begging Christ, do not torment me. And Jesus, his exorcisms are very short. All he says is speaks a few words. Unclean spirit, come out of the man. And, and dozens and dozens, who knows, maybe even hundreds of demons came out. The word legion means four to 6,000 soldiers. So who knows how many demons were inside this guy. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they pleaded with him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. And he let them, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. These are pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down a steep bank into the sea where they were drowned, the swine herds ran away and reported the incident in, in town and throughout the countryside, and people came out to see what had happened. As they approached Jesus, they caught sight of the man who had been possessed by, by legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were seized with fear. Those who witnessed the incident explained to them what had happened to the possessed man and to the swine. Then they began to beg him to leave their district. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed pleaded to remain with him. But Jesus would not permit him, but told him instead, go home to your family and announce to them all that the Lord in his pity has done for you. Then the man went off and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's 10 cities, what Jesus had done for him. And, and all were amazed, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The other thing I want to mention is, so why did Jesus Christ send him into the pigs? There's a couple of reasons why. Number one, in the Old Testament for the Jewish people, pigs were unclean animals. So yeah. that would be the that would be the right place to send unclean spirits to unclean animals. Another reason that goes to show you that even one possessed person, a human being made in the image and likeness of God, is more important than two thousand pigs. And so, for those people that are uh, animal worshippers, you know, animal rights crazy activists, uh, the Bible shows you that one human being is worth a lot more than two thousand pigs. Another thing is that. <laughs> Demons hate matter because they're pure spirit. Demons want to torture matter. And demons want to kill and destroy. So since they cannot kill and destroy this possessed person because Christ intervened, they wanted to destroy some type of matter. So Christ sent them into 2,000 demons. Terry, go ahead. Well said, Jesse. I, you know what? I'm just going to do a quick one really quick with Bishop Sheen. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room. ahead. It's a simple one. Without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. And today, no life We all know we're suffering in the church. But here's the point. Don't turn away from the church. Unite that suffering with the substance of Christ. We'll come right back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Speaking the truth in charity, the TJ show here. We want you to listen to a short little clip from EWTN anchor and Fox News contributor, 
Raymond Arroyo, he speaks out against the 278 attacks on Catholic churches that have taken place since 2020. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? Vandalism is on the rise as houses of worship are targeted by activists. Since May 2020, there have been at least 278 attacks reported against Catholic churches, with more than 120 of those incidents taking place after the Supreme Court draft leak of last year. Fox News contributor Raymond Arroyo joins us now to react. Good morning to you, Raymond. Good morning, Ainsley. Good morning. What's your reaction and why is this happening? Well, I think it started with Dobbs, as you mentioned there. And uh, the other part of it is pop culture. You know, you have a combination here of people being motivated by a diminishment of holy images, holy people, the doctrines of basic Christian teaching. All of that has been diminished in the pop culture. I mean, I, I just saw a cover of a Vanity Fair with Madonna on it impersonating Our Lady of Sorrows. So the pop culture treats the mother of God like a cheap pop singer, and we treat it cheap pop singer like the mother of God. This is a problem. And what it teaches us subtly in, in small ways and large ways is that these holy images, these places of worship, things we revere or were once held as sacred are no longer so. And then you couple that with a political establishment saying this church, these churches are standing in the way of progressive politics and your freedoms, particularly the autonomy over your body abortion, uh, that becomes a toxic brew. And I think that's what we're seeing here. I mean, I just read a story, Ainsley, a man just a week ago uh, in Woodbury, New Jersey. He attacked three Catholic churches, one after another, tried to burn a cross, uh, broke windows. I mean, there is something odd that is happening here, a phenomenon that's not being reported. And I think it's a combination of people who believe it's correct to desecrate and defile houses of worship as a means of political protest. That is not acceptable and can't be acceptable in our republic. Terry, Raymond, Raymond Arroyo made some very powerful points. Number one, he talks about the influence of pop culture. That's the Hollywood culture, the secular humanist culture. Uh, yep. The iconoclast, Terry, what do I mean by that? The pop culture hates sacred images. They, they like profane images. I mean, they have all kinds of music videos with all kinds of profane images, but they hate sacred images. That's the first point that he made. Also, yep. we have a hostile, a hostile uh, political party against the Catholic faith uh, because of the issue of Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade is a sacrament to the left. It's the abortion is a sacred ritual and a right to the left. And the fact that five Catholic Supreme Court justice, justices struck it down, they know. They know the P.O. box to the one true church. And so they're going after the one true church because, uh, again, they just, uh, they're, they, they, they're just, they believe that they, they're impelled or compelled to defile the houses of God and just desecrate the houses of God. These are political statements that they're making, Terry, these broken windows, these fire bombings. Uh, these de decapitation of statues, this arson, this these are yep. political statements made by anarchists who have embraced everything in the culture that is ugly. Commentary? Jesse, let's, let's just be uh, honest about it. This is uh, Team Jesus and, and the Team World, and <clears throat> this is the devil expressing himself, and these, they call these useful idiots, these people who are embracing the secular humanists. They want 
to be their own God. They don't want anybody to tell them anything. And I've run into people like that. And you know what? There's, that's what who they are. And so if we have any kind of moral, you know, what we call uh, subjective, uh, objective truth, that this is true no matter what, they don't want to hear it. They, you know, keep out of my life. I don't want to hear anything from you. Matter of fact, they're going to do their best to, uh, to squash us. And, uh, and I think that that's what's going on right now. They're just telling us to be quiet. You have nothing to say to us. Yeah, Terry. Unfortunately, the pop culture has replaced the Western culture. Exactly. The Western culture, the Western civilization was given to us by the Catholic Church. But in the last, say in the last hundred years, when the encyclical on modernism was written, things yep. started turning from Western culture to popular culture. That means right. the practices, the music, the customs, all these things, the movie started dominating young minds and young minds, popular culture. They're no, they're no longer dominated by the sacred, the beautiful, what's true, which is Western civilization given to us by the Catholic faith. They're now the driving force for these young people. The mass appeal is what's the latest song? What's the latest movie? Uh, you know, sports. This is what dominates them. They no longer have, Terry, they no longer have this uh, appreciation of, of true beauty. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that at the end of the show regarding the uh, the uh, funerals. People highlight everything about sports or me, myself, and I. They play songs like I did it my way and they, they die. You know, there's an old saying, the way the tree falls and uh, the way the tree bends is the way it falls. I feel bad for these people because they're living a fake life. And when at the end of their life, and it all comes out in the wash, they're going to be shocked, Jesse. I just, I mean, that's why I pray for these people because they don't know the meaning and purpose of life. Yeah. Not, not only does the, the popular culture, the Madonna culture, the Beyonce culture, the Ariana Grande culture, uh, this hip hop culture, not only do they reject Western civilization, that means what came to us in the last 2000 years through Catholicism, not only do they reject that, they also reject the most important thing that the Catholic Church teaches, which is absolute truth, that you can know the truth. The truth is a person, his name is Jesus Christ and his holy gospel. The pop culture has embraced moral relativism. There is no truth. Everybody decides on what is true. So. The greatest thing that we had, Terry, for 1,900 years, 1,900 years, was the fact that Western civilization taught the world that there was a thing called truth. And it's, it started from the person, a person called Jesus Christ. But now, popular culture, all you have to do is look at the movies, the education, uh, the music, uh, even the medical industry. Now, everything is based on emotions and opinions and what's politically expedient. It's no longer based on truth, Terry. Yeah, and Jesse, I think of the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. It's all about me, myself, and I. And you see, as we, as followers of Christ, we all pray to our Father, thy will be done. This is something that when you live a life centered on yourself, you're doomed to fail. That's right. Terry, and, and there's another article that shows all the uh, thanks to... CatholicVote.org, 
they're tracking all the attacks on pregnancy centers and Catholic churches and pro-life groups around the country. They're doing a bang-up job. They have a website where they track all of this. And there's since the Supreme Court leak, where they put this out on June 9th, 2022, on June 9th, there was 80 attacks on Catholic churches. Now they're way over 200 attacks. But uh, it's it's been called the summer of rage ever since the Supreme Court overturned that unjust law called Roe versus Wade, uh, which was leaked in early May, by the way. And we still don't know who the leaker was. I'm pretty sure it was one of the Democrat justices, but they're not going to give them up. And so now you have these pro-abortion domestic terrorists that uh, that started delivering on their promise the summer of rage, and they've been attacking Catholic churches and pro-life pregnancy centers since the Supreme Court was overturned. I'm looking here at a at a tweet sent out by Ruth Sentas. That's an anarchist organization of pro-aborts funded by George Soros. And here's the tweet that they put out. It says this, quote, Stuff your rosaries and your weaponized prayer. We will remain outraged after this weekend, so keep praying. We'll be burning the Eucharist to show our disgust for the abuse Catholic churches have condoned for centuries, close quote. There they are, Terry. They don't uh, say it any clearer. Yeah. It's uh, shocking in one sense, but not surprising. And Jesse, I'm going to go in another direction. I'm going to blame it somewhat on us, too. And what I mean by that is the weakness inside the church of its leaders not standing up to bullies. I really believe that if the church was more holy and living a holy life, Many of these people would see the beauty of our faith much clearer, but because many of us are just, you know, pretty much like the world, that they don't see that what we're doing as being authentic. They see it as fake. Yeah, Terry, you're right. Uh, and unfortunately, these pregnancy centers that are just on a shoestring budget, they give, you know, free medical and financial support to pregnant women and, and new mothers. The buildings have been spray painted with pro-abortion and anarchist messages and symbols. Several of these buildings have been set on fire. Other pro-life groups which advocate for the right to life, they've also had their offices vandalized. And the two domestic terror groups that are doing this and the Brandon administration is not doing anything about this. The two groups that are organized, that are, that are perpetuating this violence are Jane's Revenge and Ruth Sentas. Both these anarchists are basically, they are the, uh, uh, they're the military arm of the Democrat Party. And these two organizations have arisen since the Supreme Court, since the opinion was leaked and published on May 2nd, 2022. And many of these attacks and these pregnancy crisis, crisis centers and Catholic churches, they'll spray paint on the wall. They'll, they'll spray paint, quote, if abortions aren't safe, Neither are you, close quote. That seems to be the common uh, threat that's spray painted on Catholic churches and pregnancy counseling centers by these anarchists. And Jesse, not that many years ago, the Democratic Party made it clear that they wanted to throw God out of any of their uh, positions. Remember that? When they said, we want to, nope, God is. Yeah, that's when Obama and uh, Romney were running against each other. That's right. And it was at, it was at a, the Democrat National Committee uh, at yep. their convention. Yeah. You got it. So it's clear. There's two sides here, man. 
we have God's side and we have a, a man's side. And it's, it's wicked. I, I go so far as saying it's the devil working in the Democratic Party because of the evil of abortion and same-sex marriage. That's my take on it. Yep, uh, I agree, Terry. Uh, and you know what? A lot of these, a lot of these ta- attacks, a lot of them are happening. They're happening all over, but mainly in blue states, Michigan, Oregon, California, New York, Minnesota, Washington, some in Texas, Maryland, Virginia, some in Florida and Massachusetts. Some of these attacks have even gone unreported because the pregnancy resource centers, they want to protect their clients. So they're not even reporting a lot of these attacks anymore. We got to have all of us, the little people, stand up for the truth. That the truth is real. And that's what yes. want to proclaim the name is Jesus Christ to all people who are listening to us. We come back, we'll have more on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin's most powerful radio. Stay with us, man. UFC, Ultimate Faithful Catholics, Terry and Jesse here. The LGBT agenda is full speed ahead, thanks to Pope Francis, his recent remarks on homosexuality. I wish we could say it was full sheen ahead, but we could not conflate Fulton Sheen with the LGBT agenda. Uh, Unfortunately, there is a conversation between John Henry, a friend of the show, Liz Yore, a longtime uh, children uh, child attorney, general counsel and director of the International Division at the National Center for, Mich- for Missing and Exploited Children in Virginia, and Father uh, Altman. They had a roundtable discussion, and they were talking about some of the, the troubling remarks that Pope Francis made uh, regarding the the uh, homosexuality and on African bishops who support anti-sodomy laws. And then they also spoke a little bit about the World Economic Forum in Davos. So in Pope Francis's remarks on such bishops needing conversion, given as part of an interview with the Associated Press, Liz Yor sees a coordinated effort by the Vatican to hit back at criticism from the late Pope Benedict XVI, the book that he just released, and Cardinal George Pell, the article that he released as well, that was widely publicized after their deaths. Why? Because Cardinal George Pell and Pope Benedict posthumously have left documents stating that we're dealing with a homosexual crisis in the church. And so I think Pope Francis, Terry, had to respond to that. And he's saying that bishops like that, that consider it a crime, need conversion. Uh, we now have documents from them, George Pell and Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, condemning the stance of Pope Francis and the church and the synod. Interestingly, in uh, Cardinal Pell's document that he wrote in The Spectator, he said, we don't have a definition of synodality. And he was calling the upcoming synod a toxic nightmare. And talking about the LGBT agenda, that was embedded in the Synod with Cardinal Hollerich, pro-LGBT Cardinal, 
and all of the other bishops that are pushing this agenda, most especially the German bishops. Terry, I like what Cardinal Pell called the synod and synodality a toxic nightmare. He said that just before he died. Yeah. And Jesse, I'm just going to jump in and say this, that if people get a chance to listen to Father Murray Thursday of last week on YouTube from EWTN uh, with Father with um, our buddy Raymond Arroyo, you need to listen to what he has to say because it's so sad that we have to uh, say that the Vicar of Christ is promoting sodomy laws. I mean, is that is that like, are, is this microphone on? <laughs> That's exactly what he's saying. And, you know, we have the great respect for the office of Pope. Of course. Yes, you and I, are you kidding me? But when, when the Vicar of Christ, which I realize he doesn't like that title, but when he's the Pope, is saying things that are so outrageous and offensive to the faith, we have to humbly say, excuse me, uh, this is not what the Church teaches, and, you know, you need to repent of that, because you're misleading the flock. And, Jesse... I just can't believe, look at the LGBT community. They love it. Look at Father Martin's response. Oh, this is great development for us. You know what it is? There's a reason why the church has always condemned this, you know, it's state laws. And the reason is, if you approve this kind of action, then you're going to have more offenses against God in the area of sexuality. So the church says, no, the state needs to then to condemn it so that it won't be uh, so easily accessible. And so, uh, you know, it just seems like it's common sense. But right now, Jesse, common sense ain't that common. Yeah, Terry, a lot of people are always crying about my rights, my rights. Yeah. But the but the Catholic Church, we talk about God's rights first. People exactly. forget about God's rights first. There's a prayer in the Mass, in the English Mass. It says, uh, uh, it says we're, it, we we're after we come to worship you because it is right and just. That's, That's right. a prayer in one of the Eucharistic prayers. It is right and just. It is right and just for what? To come and worship God. Why? Because he's God. Because he deserves exactly. it. And so, see, people forget that, that God has rights. God reigns supreme over the universe. And if God has given us by natural law a way that we should live, and that we, we should have relations as human beings, no government, no scientific experiment can undo what God has already ordained, preordained by natural law and even divine law. Uh, the article says, and I would argue just after, after just analyzing all the articles and statements coming out of the Vatican, that the Synod on Synodality not being defined is actually the Synod on Homosexuality. And I think quite clearly that this is what Cardinal Pell was arguing against and trying to warn us against. And it's really kind of shocking how the Vatican propaganda machine really turned on the afterburners to push this agenda. Liz Yor, a very respected lawyer, she, she comments. In his take on the matter, Father Altman reminds us that Jesus Christ himself said that it was going to go worse for the heathens that his lambs lead astray than it did for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow, the idea that there would be laws established that reflect our Christian morality, our Catholic morality, should not come as a surprise to anybody, Father Altman says, and we don't get to change the laws, and neither does the Pope. Just because he doesn't like what's been, what has been for 4,000 years worth of unchanging, unchangeable truth. Also, they talked about in their discussion, 
John Henry Rustin, Liz Yord, and Father Altman about the World Economic Forum meetings wrapped up in Davos last week. Both Liz Yord and Father Altman, they've uh, chosen to offer hope and encouragement, especially since large numbers of people around the world are waking up to the World Economic Forum's nefarious globalist agenda. Yeah, we call that the new world order or the Great Reset. Liz Yor says that what's been happening for 20 years, nobody paid attention to this group, the World Economic Forum, where the high and mighty, the CEOs, the very major corporation and every head of government fly in on their private jets and teach us about how to get rid of our carbon footprint. Liz Yor says, so it's time we pay attention to Davos, undermine their efforts both on a local level, national level, and continue to expose the godless, deadly agenda that they're promoting in conjunction with the United Nations, in conjunction with Klaus Schwab, and frankly, in conjunction with the Vatican. It pains me to say that. Mm-hmm. Father Altman then closes out the episode by giving some good priestly advice that we can all benefit from. He says, he says, quote, so how about if we start every day instead of turning on Fox News to hear the latest fear mongering that's going on? How about if you just open up your sacred scripture and where it and where it says our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth, not in Davos, not in Klaus Schwab. Our help is in the name of the Lord, Father Altman says. So that's where you find your hope. That's where you'll find your love, and that's where you'll find your peace, a peace we desperately need right now. Terry? And Jesse, I'll just add this to you. And Al Gore is this guy that for years has been promoting, you know, the green earth thing. Look at, follow the money. That man is a billionaire because of what he's done. Um, I don't believe a word of what this man has said, but he's made so much money promoting the world's going to collapse if we don't do this, do that. I think a lot of these guys are just in it for making quick bucks, and that's just my take on it. <clears throat> so I would say follow the money with these people because that's where it's going. And Father Altman's comment about reading your Bible, Jesse, that's great advice because right now <clears throat> the, the Holy Mother Church right now in, in its highest levels are telling us things that go against the Scriptures, and we know the hierarchy yeah. in our church that nothing can supersede the Bible. Remember, Pope Francis is the vigor of Christ, not the superior of Christ. That's right. Climate change has nothing to do with Catholic teaching. Uh, It's still being hotly debated by scientists. This is not settled science. So the Pope's opinion or any bishop's opinion on climate change, it's not an issue on faith and morals. It has nothing to do with fundamental Catholic teaching Climatology is not theology, so no Catholic is bound to believe anything outside of faith and morals that the Pope or a bishop says about climate change. And I remember back in 2015, rest in peace, Cardinal Pell uh, says the church is not an expert of science. And he said that in light of the papal encyclical on the environment that Pope Francis put out. Yeah. And, and like we always say here, Terry, the only global warming that we're concerned about is the second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming back one day, and the question is, are you ready? Most people aren't ready. This is the most important thing that uh, that we have to make sure that we're ready when Christ comes back. Because once again, this man-made climate change is poor science, 
and it's even worse theology. Well said, Jeff, and I will say this. That's why we constantly talk about life is short, eternity is forever. And to say, what, we're spending our breath talking about climate change, how is that going to affect the climate change that takes place when we have our particular judgment? It doesn't. It's immaterial, Jeff. So that's why when people say, you guys are kind of beating up on high officials in the church, there's one motivation, the salvation of souls. Yeah. 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 I'll I'll tell you, Davos, Switzerland, what the World Economic Forum, these globalists, the two key issues that they were meeting about is access to abortion, you know, reproductive health. In other words, that's just a euphemism for how to kill babies. And the second thing that they talked about was, uh, again, the globalist agenda is promoting what they call sustainable development goals. All that means is climate change and global warming. See, those two words, people pushed back against those words. Climate change, global warming, this isn't scientific. So now the World Economic Forum and the woke liberals, the globalists, they've now changed it to sustainable development goals. That's what they meant for how to euthanize planet Earth, Terry. We'll be right back with the crowd. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. What should be said at a funeral? In, in Pope Francis's defense, some commentators contend the homily at Pope Benedict's funeral was Christocentric. Others have claimed that such a perspective would have tallied both with Benedict's own theological focus and self-effacing humility. One defender added that comparisons to 2005, that is John Paul II's funeral, served no purpose as circumstances were different because Benedict was not the incumbent pope. Others have pointed out that the funeral homilies are not eulogies, so Francis's approach was liturgically correct. Jesuit Cardinal Michael Zerny characterized the homily as pastoral, a spiritual tribute, explaining that a eulogy or panegyric belonged in another time and place. And to what extent was it was it just the Pope applying his 10 minutes or under rule that homilies should be brief and to the point? So is there any there there? Is reaction to the papal homily some kind of theological Rorsach test? Part of the problem may be that the Catholics don't seem to know what to expect at funerals any longer. The slogan, funerals are made for the living, is commonplace but mistaken. Funerals are not primarily about you unless you're willing to trade places with that corpse. That is why funerals should interrupt people's schedules. They're for the repose of the deceased, not the convenience of of those left behind. From a true Catholic perspective, funerals are about the deceased and they need to pray for him or her because everyone needs to work out their salvation in fear and trembling before an all-holy God. Protestant theology, of course, rejects the idea of prayer for the dead. Its focus could hardly be on conducting them by our prayers into the house of the Lord, as St. Ambrose recommended. 
In that light, there seems to be two possible options for the funeral preacher, hellfire and damnation, a la John Edwards, sinners in the hand of an angry God, or a eulogy focusing on the good and memorable qualities of the deceased. Hellfire and damnation are passe to today's moralistic therapeutic deists who cannot imagine an angry God leaving a eulogistic trip down memory lane as standard fare at at American Protestant and secular funerals. Because Catholic preaching has in recent years also given a short drift to purgatory and avoids mentioning hell, our theology has in practice become Disney-esque. All dogs go to heaven. For the most part, Catholic funerals adhere to diocesan norms against eulogies focused on the dead rather than on Christ. The typical Catholic funeral today has become a kind of pastiche of upbeat universalism daring to hope that all men are saved and not really doubting it, weakly tethered to a few biblical texts. But given such ideas, Francis' defenders are right. A funeral is a place to pray for the deceased and see Benedict's life in the light of Christ crucified and risen. From that angle, a focus on Christ and our insertion into eschatological reality is where the funeral liturgy, including the homily, belongs. But professional liturgical types often think in rigidly black and white categories. For the rest of us, it's clear that while funeral homilies shouldn't be eulogies, neither do they have to be coolly impersonal. And so Joseph Ratzinger's homily at the funeral of St. John Paul II was a homily, not a eulogy, but it was absolutely not impersonal. Passé Cardinal Zerny Cardinal Ratzinger reflected on the mission of a pastor in close imitation of Christ. But he did so in a way that also captured how Christ worked in the life of Carol Wojtyla, John Paul II, from the 20-something-year-old man who followed Christ into the seminary amidst Nazi and Russian occupation to the 80-something-year-old man unable to speak, struggling to bless the Easter crowd from the papal apartment window six days before he died. A funeral homily need not cross the line into a panegyric, which means the praise of a person, because it's personal. The Christian life provides a common canvas, but the Christ, but Christ the painter employs different artistic styles to individual lives. A pastor who can address how the deceased try to live the Christian life is not eulogizing him, but engaging in a kind of discernment that recognizes Christian life is not lived in the abstract but through the existential circumstances of a life. That should not be particularly hard in the case of one who lived that life publicly as Pope. There remains a lingering post-Vatican II attitude that minimalism is the most authentic way to celebrate liturgy and honor both God and man. It continues to be one of the main reasons why contemporary churches emphasize function over beauty and why a liberality in matters of cult is seen not as generosity, but some kind of waste, and therefore injustice, forgetting that religion is an essential part of justice, one suspects that attitudes also played a role in shaping the unprecedented funeral for a Pope Emeritus. Terry, they're criticizing the way the Pope conducted the funeral in this article. You know, you know, Jesse, putting uh, legs on this story, yeah. Friday... Yeah. Archbishop Gomez and Bishop O'Connell were at the Monterey Parish offering Mass for the repose of the souls of all those people that were murdered at, uh, you know, just a week ago. 
But here's the, here's the craziness. The, the pastor there was very progressive. In his homily, didn't talk about praying for those people's souls. You know what he t- did? Wow. He started singing Barbara Streisand's song, Memories. Unbelievable. And, and that, that's all. Let's just think about the positive things and memories. And here's an opportunity for that pastor to teach people about purgatory, about praying for the dead. And I see this. I did two funerals on Saturday. And, and, and the girl committed suicide, okay? The other guy died. And both of them, they were all canonized. And it happens probably 95% of the time that I'm at funerals. I do a couple hundred every year at the chapel. So, I mean, I, it's not got anecdotal evidence. They don't want to talk that possibly somebody isn't uh, going to hell. No, no, we can't talk yeah. about that. Or the possibility of going to purgatory? No. They all want to talk about them going to heaven, you know, automatically without, you know, any effort about their uh, lifestyle. And that's just sad. That's right. But, Terry, the context, I think, of this article is what they're doing is if they're actually saying that Pope Francis, he sabotaged Pope Benedict's funeral service. Yep. In other words, other articles are saying church militant reports Jules Gomez, who's the, the Rome correspondent, he says that Pope Francis foiled plans for a state funeral for Benedict XVI and ordered the scaling down of his predecessor's burial rites. Vatican officials involved in the coordination of Pope Emeritus' funeral rites reveal that Francis personally intervened to deny Benedict the shoulder procession of his coffin being borne by pallbearers from the Mater Ecclesia Monastery to St. Peter's Basilica. Instead, Francis ordered Benedict's body to be transported by a minivan from Pope Emeritus' monastic residence to the Basilica, and an insider told Church Militant that this amounts to denying him a worthy hearse. Also, multiple sources confirmed that Pope Francis did not want an official period of mourning or for Benedict's body to be lying in state for an extended period of time. One cardinal said that it was deliberately cut back. The funeral mass was also deliberately timed for 9.30 a.m., as it would render it difficult for many faithful who were planning to come to the service from different parts of Italy to travel to Rome. Also, no bells were rung to mark the passing of the deceased Pope Emeritus, which is a tradition of the church. And shortly before Benedict's death, Archbishop Ganswein said in an interview with the German media that he thought Francis's restrictions on the traditional Latin mass, it hit Benedict very hard. It affected him. And on Thursday, the Italian website uh, reported that Monsignor Diego Ravelli, who was appointed as a new master of liturgical celebrations in 2021, had to persuade Francis to remain in St. Peter's Square while Benedict's coffin was being taken into the basilica. He didn't even want to be there. Sources confirmed that Francis indicated his intention to leave immediately after some people in the crowd began shouting in Italian, Benedetto Santo Subito, make Benedict a saint immediately. The Pope said he wanted to leave when he heard that. While Monsignor Ravelli also succeeded in convincing Francis to remain while the coffin with Benedict's body was being borne by the pallbearers towards St. Peter's, the Pope refused to join the procession to the papal tombs afterwards in the Vatican grottos for the final part of the funeral rites and the interment of the body. Pope Francis didn't attend. Vatican personnel also expressed frustration over Francis's unwillingness 
to declare a period of official mourning for the Pope Emeritus. Paradoxically, these days, the Vatican flag was flying at half mass only on the front of the Curia of the Society of Jesus. In contrast, the German parliament building flew the national flag at half mass, and the British government ordered the Union flag to be flown at half mass over its buildings. Francis did not even consider suspending his papal audiences to mark the period between Benedict's death and the funeral. And sources also said that the Holy See sent letters to embassies to the Vatican asking them not to send official delegations to the funeral. The only heads of state to be invited were from Germany and Italy. And Terry, I'll tell you where all this comes from. I'll tell you, Pope Francis, I have no doubt that he was upset because Pope Benedict disinvited his friend Joe Biden. And so this is all the backlash from disinviting Joe Biden. And uh, this was uh, the way Pope Francis basically had his last say in the matter. And can I also add, the crowds that came, the lay people that came for the funeral, everybody said no one would come, and there were tens of thousands of faithful at the funeral. And I'm, I'm because I, I sense Pope Francis wants all the limelight on him. That's yeah. the kind of personality he shows. Maybe I'm wrong, Jesse, but I've met people, it's all about me. And unfortunately, um, with Benedict, he's, I mean, he's probably as glad as ever that he's done, and he's out of my way, and now I can really get to work, and... And uh, that's just my take on his personality. It's just sad because he's not supposed to be about him. It's supposed to be about Jesus. Yeah, the news outlets also reported that various cardinals expressed anger, bewilderment, and pain at the contempt that Francis displayed toward Pope Benedict in, in the funeral homily. Yeah. God help us. Well, Jess, sure. I hear the music. Uh, yep. And I want to say that um, thank you for all your listeners here, listeners here. Who are praying for us because it's not easy to talk about these kind of topics. No. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, we would have never even thought we would have to do this. But you know what? Somebody's got to speak up for the truth. Guess what state should we be speaking in, brother? What state should we be living state in? Of sanct- state of sanctifying grace, brother. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Remember, uh, let's keep firing missiles of truth against the wall of lies. And let's pray America great again. And let's pray the Catholic Church great again as well. Yeah. And don't forget Our Lady of Fatima said, here I am having a little rough time with my health. I can offer this suffering for the salvation of souls. He said souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. So I'm going to offer this up because you know what? There's merit in it. And I hope you can do Amen. all something. May God richly bless you. And just- St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
virgin most powerful radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the never-ending struggle. Uh, I'm welcoming myself back as well. I had a spot of ill health over Christmas and New Year's, but uh, I'm back in the saddle, as they say, and it's good to be here. Uh, tonight, we have kind of an interesting topic, and it's one that, if you're an English speaker, that is to say, if you're a Catholic from Great Britain, Ireland, the United States, Anglo-Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, in other words, the Anglosphere. We're going to look at the adventures of a family whose tragedies and triumphs very much put us where we are now in many ways, and uh, who played a big role, especially the latter members of the family, in uh, the church, uh, both in this country and in Britain. But the reason why we're talking about them to, uh, now is that the last two days of January uh, feature the death days of two of their most prominent members. King Charles I was given a judicial murder, some would say a martyrdom, by Oliver Cromwell on January the 30th. The following day, in 1788, died his great-grandson, great-great-grandson. Uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie, Charles III, the first Charles III, before the one who's going to be crowned later this year. Um, he died January 31st, 1788. Between those two dates was very much the crux of Stuart and English-speaking Catholic history. Uh, let's back up, though. Let's back up quite a ways, because... The family of whom we're speaking, the House of Stuart, started out in Normandy, in France, as so many other families in England, Scotland, and Wales, and Ireland did. Uh, they came to Scotland, uh, I believe, at the time of uh, St. Margaret in the 1000s, who brought a lot of English nobility to Scotland to help settle the area. Uh, and they expanded. 